Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by Chief Operating Officer of Remedy Drinks, Jamie Schwartz. Remedy Drinks was founded in Melbourne, Australia, and made its way to the U.S. Its hero product is a shelf-stable zero-sugar kombucha. We chat with Jamie about his transition from investor at Kavu to operator at Remedy and much more. Jamie, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Um, we're really excited to chat with you today. Um, for our listeners, can you tell us uh, where you come to us from and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm sitting in New York City right now, which is where I live and work currently. Um, and my background, uh, you know, is maybe a little bit unique in the CPG space and that I've been both on the operating side now at Remedy, but also started my career on the investing side. Um, so out of college, uh, did a couple of years in consulting, doing M&A due diligence, and then moved into private equity with Encore Consumer Capital, um, which is a growth equity fund that both invests in brands, but also, um, does more traditional kind of lower middle market LBOs of, you know, manufacturers, distributors. Um, so I saw really everything across the consumer um, value chain while at Encore and then went back to business school for a few years and went to work for Kavu, which, you know, is an earlier stage growth equity fund focused exclusively on CPG brands. Um, spent a few years there until I ended up at Remedy, where I took a jump to the operating side for the first time. Love that. So before we dig into, you know, exactly what Remedy does and your product, I'd love to understand what made you transition from investor to operator and kind of what you saw and what you're seeing. Yeah, it's a good question. The, you know, the, the way I sum it up best is, you know, I think there are people who spend some time in the investment world and really love everything about the investing process. Um, you know, the execution of a deal, sourcing the deal, you know, eventually getting it done, managing it through to, you know, some type of liquidity event. For me, the, the parts of investing that I liked the most were working with the company, right? So after we get involved, um, the portfolio management aspect, um, you know, I loved sourcing deals as well, but it was more about meeting the companies, learning their story, building the relationship with the founder, as opposed to, you know, the, the rush of eventually doing the deal and kind of hitting execute on the wire, right? So, you know, that was a little bit, that was the initial motivation was, you know, I love working with companies. I think I might like going to the operating side. Um, but, you know, as most investors are, I was a little bit risk averse. So until the perfect opportunity came up where, you know, I, I saw it as a little bit less risky, but, you know, a ton of upside and opportunity, um, I wasn't quite ready to make the jump. But uh, about 16 months ago now, I ended up at Remedy. Wow. Uh, and now that you're on the operating side, A, like, are you, are you happy with that transition and decision? And then B... Do you, what's like the most surprising thing now being on this side of things versus on the investor side of things that you've seen? 
Yeah. So, you know, I think it, it's always the fear when you make the leap, right? That once you start, you know, doing the day to day and, you know, a, a lot of friends had warned me, you start to get into the minutia of sort of the, the, the ground game of operating, right? So, you know, now on any given day, I might be worried about where a container is, you know, on the ocean of our product coming to the States or, uh, dealing with a specific consumer complaint, um, you know, very seemingly small issues in the grand scheme of things, as opposed to, you know, the lens that you view things at as an investor. Um, but for me, I've been loving that. Um, you know, every day you're you're sort of seeing the fruit of the labor and building the company from the ground up. You know, when I started, we were you know two of us here in the U.S. Uh, now we're 18 total in the U.S. and, and 56 people globally. Um, the experience of building that team over the last 12 months and watching the brand grow and, you know, putting sort of structure and process and culture in place from scratch has been incredibly rewarding. Um, and I think it's, you know, as I said, it's validating that at the end of every day, how much you work and what you're putting into it, you, you can really see kind of come to fruition. Um, whereas, you know, on the investment side, typically you're, you're a little bit more at that 30,000 foot view and, and watching things on sort of a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis um, and can be very involved, but, you know, you're getting more updates as opposed to living the day to day, which, you know, is a little bit more tactical, but also uh, for me at least has been, a lot more fun and a lot more rewarding. Yeah. So you, you, you mentioned something in there that I want to dig into is that, uh, you know, first two team members in the U S. Um, so for those out there, remedy was founded in Melbourne, Australia. Woo woo. I love Melbourne. I studied abroad there. Little shout out to Melbourne there. Um, I, love the way, I love the way you say it too. You really, you know how to pronounce it. I got yelled at for saying Melbourne. It's well, like, that's still how I say it until you just now. Now I know, like you've instilled new knowledge on me. Every time I'm telling the story and I say Melbourne, people are like, "Oh wow, you're really trying to be an Aussie," you know. And I'm like, "That's how you. That's how you say it." And if I were to, you know, speak to my Australian counterparts and say Melbourne, you know, you sound like a gringo. <laughs> I'm like an idiot. Um, yeah. So company was founded in Melbourne. What is it like working for like an international company as well as having not the full team in the US and what that global process looks like? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And Remedy's got a, a little bit of a unique story. Um, as you mentioned, founded uh, 10 years ago, we're actually going to Melbourne for the first time this August for the 10 year anniversary party. And oh, we've seen, seen the whole company, we've got a brand new 200,000 square foot manufacturing facility that we're going to be, you know, watching product run on for the first time as well. So big event coming up. Um, and 10 years ago, you know, it's a classic CPG founding story, husband, wife, couple, Emmett and Sarah Condon, you know, founded this, this product to just make a better kombucha. They had seen kind of the space emerging in the U.S. and had tried a bunch of products and got really into fermented foods um, and wanted to kind of try their hand at, at their own kombucha and created a pretty amazing product. Um, and what they figured out, and I can get more into, you know, product differentiation and, and why we're unique and sort of see, see Elaine in this space in the U.S., but what they figured out is how to make the product um, with zero sugar and how to 
can it or bottle it so that it's shelf stable, which is a little bit unique in the space. So they've created this, you know, very on-trend uh, sugar-free sugar kombucha, which, um, you know, typically people are now viewing kombucha a little bit as an adult soda, you know, it can be 12 grams plus for the leading brands. Um, so they wanted to make it healthier, uh, but still delicious option. And, you know, it took off in, in Melbourne and, and broader Australia, you know, they've been through, this is their fifth facility in 10 years. Um, you know, they've scaled up production themselves over there. They, you know, quickly went, you know, national distribution with leading retailers like Coles and Woolies in Australia. Um, and then they started to look abroad. So two and a half years ago, roughly, they set up shop in the UK. Um, actually, one of their buyers from the Australian side of the business um, went to be, be their GM in the UK with them. Uh, her name is Anna. I work closely with her you know, every day. So she's led a team over the past two and a half years in the UK to build that business. Um, and then Emmett's brother, Dan, actually moved to Toronto uh, years ago, but then wanted to launch the brand in Canada. So a bit of a unique story here where we launched in the UK and Canada prior to getting to the US. And then Al Catterton came on board about a year and a half ago, um, you know, and started to build the team here in the US with my CEO, Corey, and myself coming on board to grow the brand in the US. After seeing all of that proof of concept, you know, originally in Australia and New Zealand, but then moving, you know, two, two and a half years ago into the UK and Canada um, and seeing what the product, you know, could do there in a more competitive environment. Um, so now, now here we are in the US growing the business. Yeah, it's super interesting. I mean, I've seen, you know, I worked at ABM for several years and a huge part of our playbook was taking brands, right, that had, you know, generated significant growth and top line in a certain market and then trying to copy and paste it um, into markets where we had the distribution presence and, and you know, thought the, the demographic trends would, would resonate well with the brand. We did that with Corona from Mexico to a bunch of markets in South America, for example. But you don't really see it as often in kind of early stage CPG, right? You see kind mm -hmm. of big companies leveraging the copy and paste muscle with the distribution set up all over. Could you talk a little bit about kind of the decision as to when you should maybe come into the U.S.? Obviously, a huge opportunity in terms of market size, also a very, very competitive market comparatively to some of the other markets and kind of like what kind of made you like pull the trigger? Yeah, I think, you know, at least in our category, what you've seen is some brands have tried to branch out you know, from the U.S. primarily, because that's where kombucha originated, you know, really with, with GTs in the 90s. Um, and you've seen brands try to break out globally, but due to the fact that they're cold chain, you know, it's a refrigerated product with, you know, most of the time, like three months shelf life, it's incredibly difficult to scale the supply chain and distribution method um, abroad outside of one given market where you have manufacturing capacity. So the beauty of our product is we're shelf stable, you know, 18 months shelf life. So we can, you know, essentially take our liquid, ship it around the world, um, and then, you know, can or bottle it locally, can or bottle it there at the point of manufacturing, um, depending on the market, and then distribute it from there. So we can afford to have, <laughs> I say that in one of the most costly, most costly and complicated supply chain environments, maybe ever, but we can afford to have, you know, containers coming across the ocean uh, 
um, at any given time to a different market uh, and distribute it from that point. So you still haven't um, set up local production in each of the markets, it's still being imported? So in some of them, we have local production, but um, part of you know our vision for, for certainly the next couple of years is to produce the product in Australia where you know Remedy has just built this brand new state-of-the-art facility, you know, canning, bottling lines, um, you know, really invested in a best-in-class plant. And, you know, that that advantage on, you know, self-manufacturing versus the freight yep. expense makes it worth it, um, yep. at least for the time being. But, you know, we, we really have a vision to grow this brand globally um, and, and make it really a global player in beverage. So, you know, down the road may have to localize certain markets, but for right now that, that should work for us. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's like the balance of vertical in integration versus like import and so on. Um, so you were at Cavu, were you involved with Brett and Rohan's investment in health aid? Obviously health aid is one of the bigger kombucha players in the U S like was that 200 million in top line, I think before it exited to first Bev. Was that something that kind of ignited your interest in kombucha or was that something that you weren't really connected to when you were at Cavu? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I, I really wasn't involved in that brand. They invested in HealthAid, I believe in 2016, roughly. Um, so it was before I, I had arrived at Cavu and then, you know, obviously familiar with it, given it was in our portfolio, but I wasn't on it, um, you know, in terms of staffing or, or board uh, responsibilities, but um, you know what it did give me is a data point on you know what brands are doing in the space, their business model, um, you know, and the fact that it was refrigerated. And I was seeing them at the time, you know, and still launching products into the shelf stable space. So they initially launched the Booch Pop product, and then um, have since sort of rebranded as Health Aid Pop. Um, you know, I think which which validates that lane of shelf stable is the way to continue to grow within that category. And, you know, Remedy is now, I think, timed perfectly with this explosion of shelf stable functional beverage. So you're seeing it across the board. What originated, you know, also with a Kavu portfolio company buy with sort of the enhanced water category, you know, following vitamin water. Um, obviously coconut waters sort of had their day, other plant-based waters, the explosion of seltzers, but then you got into, you know, more functional, better for you energy drinks, things like Celsius, Guayaki, kind of the Yerba Mates that broke out. Now you're seeing it with healthier sodas, you know, the Olipops and Poppies of the world. Um, I was on the board of Poppy for, for a couple of years and, you know, saw that sort of from inception within the Kavu portfolio. Um, and you're seeing you know, that's that set really expand because it's the fastest growing space within within beverage today. Um, so you're seeing retailers dedicating full sets to functional, you know, even carving out space for gut health specifically. Um, so I think we're at this moment where shelf uh, shelf stable kombucha like like remedy can really break out um, and fill, you know, what is actually sort of a void today um, in shelf stability for the kombucha category, which is already a billion dollars in the US. Yeah, you mentioned a, a bunch of brands in there that I'm sure a bunch of people that's listening are familiar with as well as we are. And I think I would love to hear a little bit about uh, Remedy's product differentiation. I think, you know, when people think of kombucha, or at least, you know, they think of 
healthy. They think of GTs. Um, and I don't think many people would think of a shelf stable kombucha as something like they would pick up because they think of this as like a living probiotic, you know, like the SCOBY, that all, that whole thing. Um, can you tell us how remedy is different other than being shelf stable and, and no sugar? Yeah, I think it, you know, really starts with those two, you know, if you guys are familiar with how kombucha is made without getting too scientific on it, you know, it's just tea with a, what is, what is a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast? That's the SCOBY you referenced. Um, and then you add sugar uh, to create the fermentation process and then add natural flavorings to it. So essentially what happens in the brewing of kombucha, which, you know, can be any amount of time, but is typically call it a week with those leading brands is you have the base tea, the bacteria and yeast go in and then sugar goes in to sort of feed the bacteria. Um, so the bacteria is essentially consuming the sugar through the fermentation process. And that's what gives off, you know, all the probiotic content, everything good for your gut, organic acids through that process. Uh, and then those brands have traditionally bottled it or, or canned it after call it a week with sugar still in the product. Um, you know, after flavoring it and, and carbonating it. So what you're then left with is a bottle full of tea, you know, bacteria and yeast and sugar and some flavoring. And if it's not uh, kept below a certain temperature, if it's not kept refrigerated, uh, the bacteria will then continue to consume the sugar. It will continue to ferment in the bottle, uh, leading to both CO2 and alcohol output. Um, so you, you've seen traditionally in the space a ton of class action lawsuits around alcohol content in kombucha. Some kombucha is now branded specifically as low alcohol. GTs has their, their low alcohol product. Mm -hmm. um, and I never knew this until I joined Remedy, but the reason you know the, the glass bottles in kombucha are so thick and large is because CO2 output, if it ferments a little bit in the bottle, can explode those containers. Um, so what Remedy figured out is if you brew out all of the sugar through that fermentation process, which they do over 30 days, you're left with a product that, that has the tea, the bacteria and yeast. So, you know, all of the good for your gut content, the live cultures, um, and then you can flavor it, uh, and carbonate it and can it. And that can sit stable because there's no sugar left in the product for the bacteria to consume. So no fermentation can then occur in the container. Uh, so that was a really unique method that hadn't been done before, um, which in my mind was, was a bit of a light bulb moment because it's like, you know, wow, people had, had really been bottling and canning sort of an imperfect product that leads to all sorts of cost and supply chain difficulties with refrigeration but also isn't on trend for the consumer because it's got sugar in it. So, yeah. you know, and typically a lot of sugar. So, you know, what, what Remedy did, I think, is take a product that, you know, uh, was a little bit inconvenient and in that it's this big 16 ounce glass bottle, you know, had a lot of product quality issues traditionally in the space um, and had sugar in it and created something smaller, easier to consume, no sugar content can sit stable. So you can be, you know, ordering 24 pack cases of it on Amazon, for instance. Um, but then took it, I, I'd say two steps further in how we differentiate ourselves. One is we went for a mainstream taste. You know, I think you typically find in kombucha, the consumer 
has been a very natural consumer. It tends to taste a little bit vinegary um, or have like sort of things floating in it, a little bit of set sediment with the SCOBY, um, an interesting mouthfeel that really isn't very mainstream. And we've created a product that is lighter, more mild, refreshing, kind of more of a soda, a healthier soda is how we view it. You know, it's a healthy soft drink. It's not how you typically think of, you know, a very natural um, sort of niche uh, kombucha with, you know, less mass appeal due to kind of the floating and the scent, the sediment in the product. Um, and last, the last piece is price. Um, this category has been, you know, $3 minimum on a product for so long. You know, the leading brands are out there at $3.50, $4. You know, we're coming in at a $2.29, $2.49 per can price point. So, you know, trying to really expand this market and show people the product can taste delicious. It doesn't have to be as expensive as it's traditionally been. uh, And you don't need to refrigerate it you know, drink it in one go, on the go, you can store, you know, cases of this product in your home. Yeah, that's, that's such an incredible overview. Thank you for for being so detailed, because I think a lot of people think they know what kombucha is and how it's made, but I think the overview just gave makes it a lot clearer. Um, Yeah, and I I think traditionally, people have thought, oh, you know, it needs to be refrigerated, because it's this supernatural product. But um, that that's just because of how it was made, not because kombucha needs to be that. So, you know, part of this is just shaking the notion of what it's been, um, and showing people that it can be, you know, more convenient, better product. Yeah, no, 100%. And, And then just diving in a little bit more specifically on the US and kind of, I guess, the state of kombucha, Obviously, like I know you guys are making a big push in the US, but you also seem to have kind of the international expansion plan other markets nailed down in case the US isn't necessarily like the easiest market to grow in. But I mean, what is your kind of current view on where kombucha is going into the kind of into the future? I think like we've seen June shine and flying embers like really create this RTD kombucha category, which probably is good for overall awareness of kombucha, but is also kind of maybe adhering to a different occasion or a different consumer. Um, and then also, right, like I think kombucha was was really growing extremely rapidly, like several years ago, it's still growing, but maybe has decelerated a little bit. So like, what do you think kind of about the future of kombucha, I guess, in the US? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Um, I, you know, I guess I'd start n- not to sort of repeat myself, but I think that the shelf stability gives it so much more runway. Um, you know, kombucha has been relegated to the, the refrigerator, typically in that produce section, you know, in your local grocery store or, you know, a dedicated fridge, which has been great. And it's given, you know, the category a ton of space to expand and grow and a, a bunch of brands have, have filled that space. Um, but then as you saw, it sort of, I think growth really started to tail off um, because it had all sort of been done before and there was nowhere to go from there. Um, you know, they were getting incremental feet in those fridges or an additional fridge. But um, at the end of the day, you know, the unlock is getting into the center of the store and and introducing more products. So for us, it starts with that shelf stable ambient section. You know, we'll we'll look to both be refrigerated to drive trial, you know, and, and have our cans in the traditional kombucha sets in a lot of cases. Like if you walk into an Erewhon in LA, we're we're right there in the set with everyone else. But, um, you know, then start to to put both single cans, but also multi-packs into the ambient section. 
But then I think uh, where the category can go from there, which hasn't really been done yet, you know, you've seen a couple entrants into new areas is using the kombucha base, which at the end of the day is, is just live culture content, good for your gut, probiotics as, you know, a, a foundation to then expand into different product categories. Um, so, you know, we're, we have an energy line, for, for instance, that, you know, we'll be expanding more broadly into the market with, but we've got, you know, one SKU on Amazon right now. Um, so the notion of, hey, you love kombucha, you love the probiotic content, live cultures, you know, why don't we add additional functionality or an additional use case to, you know, that great tasting, um, good for your gut beverage. Um, so, you know, I think people traditionally have looked at, looked at kombucha as just, I need to consume this. Uh, because I need something that's good for my gut or to settle my stomach right now um, for that purpose. But a lot of people just like the way that kombucha makes them feel. Um, and you can layer on different use cases and different functions to that. Yeah, I mean, we're even seeing it. People are using kombucha as like a non-alk replacement or a lot of like non-alk brands are leaning into the like gut health angle as, as you know, like a property. Um, but you mentioned you mentioned you were on the board at Poppy, and we know Kavu is some, they're some of the best beverage investors. Um, and obviously now at Remedy, you you're in the beverage space. What are some trends that you're seeing that you're excited about that you guys are leaning into at Remedy, but overall just just you as an investor are excited about in the beverage space? Yeah, good question. Um... You know, I, I am really excited by, you know, all that's happening in, in sort of that uh, better for you, I'll, I'll call it soda alternative space, because I think it's, it's still just so early. Um, and we've only seen, you know, a few brands break out, break out, including ours to try and serve, you know, that use case and start to take the bite out of, um, you know, the soda apple. And, you know, I love what brands like Poppy and Olipop are, are starting to do. You're seeing more and more launch like Culture Pop, uh, Tom First Brand. And um, there was a ton of excitement this week at BevNet, um, the conference in New York around that. Um, a lot of the speakers were focused on that space. Um, so we're, we're really looking to be a part of that story and um, help lead, you know, with a kombucha product into that sort of alternative use case. Um, at, at the same time, I... You know, you mentioned sort of alcohol replacement. I think it's it's a huge trend that people are trying to drink less or or not drink at all. And I think finding different products that serve, you know, that need and that use case is really interesting. I mean, you you look at what Athletic Brewing has done. You know, they've introduced an amazing um, on-trend, well-branded, um, just delicious product in, into into that space. So I think they're can continue to be a ton of innovation there. Um, you know, I also look at two other sort of functional areas, um, you know, obviously hydration and energy, you know, to me just continue to be really exciting. You know, I think you saw, everyone saw the acquisition of Body Armor, you know, by Coca-Cola and the, the price tag associated with that and how well that brand did. But, you know, I think there's still a ton of room for improvement within that category. You're seeing brands like Barcode, you know, launch to try and deliver a more premium, cleaner, um, more functional 
experience to hydration. And, you know, I think more interesting brands can, can fill that space. Um, I also really like, you know, the clean energy play. So that's, that's one of the reasons we're focused on that space as well as you've seen it occupied by the, you know, RTDTs, um, the performance-based energy drinks like a Celsius uh, or the sort of yerba mates as sort of the clean energy play. And, you know, I think um, there's still a ton of room for exploration of what product and uh, I guess brand positioning can, can win in that space. Um, yeah. yeah. Did, did you guys see uh, super coffee launch super energy today? I, I, I did not. I did not. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Interesting line extension. They're, they're wild. They, they never stop. They never stop. <laughs> um, Jamie, the brothers are relentless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we'd love to ask you a couple rapid fire questions. Uh, we're going to throw some questions your way and you're going to give us whatever first comes to mind. I promise they're, they're not too hard. Let's do it. SF or New York? New York. Ooh. Olipop or Poppy and why? <laughs> I have to go Poppy um, and I'll go with brand. <laughs> Favorite New York restaurant? Ooh, I'm going to go uh, Charlie Bird. Um, Ooh, and that's just there. That's good. Ma mainly because I just went there and, and I'm also a huge Jay-Z fan and he's involved. <laughs> nice. Um, consumer brand that you love right now, obviously outside of Remedy. Consumer brand that I love right now. Um, I've recently gotten into Athletic Greens. That's oh, yeah. really habitual use. Um, and I've been loving that been helping me stay more hydrated as well what do you what do you think man like i they have so much money to acquire customers they've been pushing paid so hard for so long and like i don't know i have some friends who are all over and i have some friends who are just like didn't really like i don't know it's hard it's obviously a hugely successful brand it's like full credit to him and the team but uh and it is, it's not an insignificant expense that's that's the hardest time i have with it yeah. but um, i like it a lot but i know some people who are a bit more skeptical i don't know yeah it, it feels for, for me it fills some nutritional voids um that i would want to serve with sort of a, a multivitamin or, or supplements of some kind so i've just been liking the way it's, it's made me feel and um how it balances out my yeah. nutritional profile we have, you, we have them coming on the show rachel what'd you say we have them coming on the show. Yeah, soon. yeah, we're having the CEO. We're having Cat Cole. Um, uh, but uh, Jamie, do you drink it fasted, like in the morning? Yeah, every every morning. Yeah. Yeah. See, some people. I feel like some people they do it fasted. Some people don't like the taste, so they put it in a smoothie. Yeah. I feel like there's like lots of different. I don't know. I, I love it, you, Rachel, because like it's supposed to help gut health quite a lot. I love right? it. Yeah. I mean, okay. like it helps my IB. Like it helps. I yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind the taste, too. So that, you know, that's the first kind of 16 ounces of water that I have per day. Is, I think is they, they also in AG1 now, the original original blend was a little too sweet. And mm -hmm. I think it was harder to digest for me personally. And now the new iteration I feel like is less artificial tasting and feels like cleaner. Mm, interesting. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like, it's all bullshit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So Jamie, we like to ask all of our guests how they subscribe to wellness. So what are some things that you do on a daily basis that makes you the best version of yourself, not only to show up for remedy, but to show up for your friends, families, loved ones? Wow, that's a great question. Uh, I fear that maybe you've you've gotten this answer before. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've recently gotten very into running. Um, so I'm, I'm running, you know, at least three to four times per week. And I live right by the West Side Highway. So, you know, my call it three miles every morning on the West Side Highway or after work, you know, at, at sundown is is uh, my ritual that, that yeah. keeps me balanced. I used to do that run five times a week. I live in the same five <laughs> years. I literally ran from 37th down to that park in Tribeca like every day. Yeah, I'm, I'm Battery Park up to, uh, you know, the little island and back yeah. to the West Village. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That little island's awesome. It, like, just popped up right before I left, but it looks pretty cool. Yeah, it's nice. Are you training for something? No, no, no like, definitely not like, training for something. Yeah, good. it's uh, the, the long distance has never really appealed to me. Um, you know, I, I get the working towards the goal and achieving it, but for me, longer distances just takes a toll on my body so for me just getting in you know three to five miles is a great a great sort of weekly ritual that's uh that's what i'm about to do right now exactly that (laughs) perfect so where can our listeners learn more about remedy so our website remedydrinks.com um we're on amazon which you know, again, the shelf stability huge there. We're the number one kombucha on Amazon. Um, so on Prime, all different flavors up there, new SKUs coming all the time. Um, and we're rolling out nationwide right now. Um, so we're, we just hit Safeway Albertson stores nationwide, you know, over 2,000 doors. Uh, we're in Target. We're in Walmart um, and a bunch of natural foods retailers all up and down uh, the West Coast. So you know, if you're in LA, go check us out in Erewhon, Bristol Farms, places like that. Love it. Thank you, Jamie. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you guys too. Thank you. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of week filled with wellness, and we'll see you next time. 